The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. Well, good morning. You, um, you have to know what a joy it is for me to be here this morning. And um, I want to start, before we get our Bibles open... And if you want to go ahead and grab your Bibles and start making your way to the book of Ephesians, that's where we're going to be, and I'll meet you there in just a few moments. Um, but I, I have to begin this morning by saying thank you. I mean, you, you need to know um, the deep gratitude that I feel and that our church feels for our brothers and sisters at Grace on the Ashley. We would not exist apart from your extreme generosity and kindness. And what the Lord is doing in our church you're a part of in a very real way. We've been going for five and a half years right now. We were praying and asking the Lord for partners in the city of Charleston where my family and I were moving to start a life-giving church, the kind of church that we had experienced. And we've um, followed the Lord long enough and been in church long enough to know that uh, we are not a perfect church and that we were not coming to fix the church problem in Charleston. That's not who we are. That's not what we believe. We wanted to be a part of the good work that was already going on, and we asked the Lord to provide for us partners who were like-minded about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we had no clue about God's extreme generosity that we would find in grace on the Ashley, and from our very beginning days, uh, your pastors and your elders and you have been kind and generous to us, and so from Vertical Church Charleston, I just want to say thank you, and here's one thing that you can celebrate with us of the many things that God is doing. In five and a half years, we have had 45 baptisms in our church. And when I say we, I don't mean vertical church. I, I mean we. We've done that together, and the kingdom is moving forward, and ground is being taken for the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the work that you're doing faithfully week in and week out, and you have to know that it's a joy for us to count you as friends and partners in ministry, and that I get to stand before you this morning and open God's word with you is a great privilege, and I'm really excited to be here. So thanks for the opportunity. I'm really grateful to Pastor Greg and his friendship and uh, finding like-minded pastors, believe it or not, is actually a really hard thing to do. And uh, pastors are um, sometimes very interesting, challenging people I've found in 20 years of trying to follow Christ. But in Pastor Greg, I found a faithful servant of the Lord who loves the Lord and loves his people. And uh, many of the qualities and characteristics that he has, I aspire to grow into one day as well. And he's been a great friend and a great example. So thank you. All right, enough about all of that. We got our Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to begin with this statement. Information alone does not change us as Christians. You're not different because you know some things. You're not different because you understand some things. You are different because by faith, through the power of God's Spirit, you choose to do. Now here's the absolute great news that I want to bring you this morning. That you have absolutely no power to live the Christian life in your own strength. That, that's good news. You have no power to live the Christian life in your own strength. You must have God's power to do God's will. 
And the Bible teaches that we access God's power through His Spirit, and that is provided to us through prayer and no other way. That's how God has set it up. All that God wants to accomplish in you and all that God wants to accomplish through you, Christian, He wants to accomplish through prayer. And that's why I have you in Ephesians chapter 6. As you can see on the screen and from our text, our subject this morning is prayer. Just one verse. I'd like to read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 with you, and then I'm going to pray and we're going to ask God to teach us, and then we're going to study the text together. Church, this is the word of the Lord. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So let's do that, church. Let's pray together. God, your word is a gift and a treasure. And I'm so grateful to stand here this morning with my brothers and sisters who love you and who are pouring their lives out for your glory and your honor. We come before you this morning, God, with your word open and with our hearts open asking you to teach us. God, would you give us wisdom and insight? Would you bring encouragement to those who, whose hearts are hurting this morning, God? They've come here to meet with you and to worship you and to hear from you. And I'm keenly aware of the fact, God, that they don't need to hear from me. They need your spirit to strengthen and to encourage. And so, God, would you also bring correction? Help us to identify ways in our minds and our hearts where we don't think biblically about the subject of prayer change our mind, God. Help us to repent and to agree with you and your word and what you say. And God, above all, would you make us people of prayer? Not people who talk about prayer, not people who study prayer, but people who actually pray. And so, God, we submit ourselves to you this morning and ask that you would accomplish the perfect work for which you're sending forth your word. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you agree with that prayer, church, say amen. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 6. As Christians, we believe firmly in the power of prayer. We believe that there is power in prayer. We believe that God is not only listening to the prayers of his people, but that he considers their pleas, and when they cry out to him, he moves powerfully in response to their prayers. A biblical church is a praying church. And because God has created the Christian life in such a way that you have no power to live the Christian life in your own strength, you must pray. I wrote it down this way in my notes. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write it down as well. You and I should always pray about everything. Always pray about everything. And I see that right in verse 18. Look at your Bible. With all prayer and petition, pray, what's the next phrase? Right, pray at all times. Always pray about everything. The text says with all prayer and petition. You might be wondering what the difference is between prayer and petition. That word prayer in the original is just a general word for prayer. It can refer to all different kinds of prayers. And it would just be a general term for pray. Pray all kinds of prayers all the time. But that word petition literally means special supplication. It's a very specific prayer about something specifically. In other words, what he's saying is you should be praying all kinds of prayers at all times 
about everything. You should be praying both publicly and privately. You should be praying both loudly and quietly. You should be praying both deliberately and planned, but also spontaneously. And you should be praying sitting, and you should be praying standing. You should be praying kneeling, and while you're lying down in your bed, you should be praying at home. You should be praying at work. You should be praying at church. Or another way of saying that is, always pray about everything. Pray about everything. We can and should pray wherever we are and whatever situation we're in. That's what I see first in verse 18. With all prayer and petition, then notice this next phrase. It says pray at all times. That phrase all times literally means on every occasion. So if you're asking yourself, is this the right time to pray? You're asking a great question, but the answer is yes. Just, just ask yourself this question. Is this a time? And if the answer is yes, then you know it's a time to pray. Is this a time? Yes. Then it's time that we should be praying. Always pray at all times. Or in other words, what the text is saying is it's always the right time to pray. You don't even have to wonder. God says this is the right time to pray. Pray about this situation. You know, Jesus told parables about prayer that were communicating just that point. I mean, he said specifically in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, if you're wondering what it means to pray at all times, it's an example and an explanation of what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 is saying when it says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now, I know that you're a church that is rooted in sound biblical teaching and the gospel, and God's word is the standard, and I would just ask you, as this is a command from God, did Jesus fulfill this command? Yes or no? Yes, okay. All those in favor of Jesus fulfilling this command, a show of hands. You guys are a voting church. There it is. Okay, perfect. All right, so Jesus fulfilled the command. Did he fulfill it 100%? Did he fail to do this at any time? Okay. If you understand that and you think about Jesus Christ and what it means to live a life, did Jesus eat? Did he sleep? Did he work? And did he also pray without ceasing? See, if you start to think about the life of Christ perfectly fulfilling this command, now you're starting to think about what God had in mind when he said pray without ceasing. And what he's saying is, is that at all situations, you should be having this running conversation with God. He's not prohibiting living life and having conversations with people. How many people know the experience of, I'm talking to Jim and I'm praying as I'm talking to Jim and asking God for wisdom. I'm listening to Jim. I'm asking the Lord to direct the conversation. I need to know what to say and when I just need to be quiet and listen to his wisdom. And, like, and all of that is happening at the same time. That would be an example of always praying about everything. Christ did this perfectly. So pray without ceasing can't mean always pray in a formal or noticeable way every single moment. Jesus didn't do that. So for you and I, Christian, we can understand it as to always pray about everything means I begin praying to the Lord and I just never say amen, right? I start my day talking to the Lord and I continue that conversation throughout the day. Now you say, why, why would I do that? 
what, that, that sounds like a lot of work. Why would I do that? I've got a life to live, and I can't be stopping my life to pray all of the time. And so I was thinking about you, and I thought that that was a good question. So I want to give you five reasons to always pray. Five reasons to always pray. Here's the first one. God commands it. Well, I mean, we could just have one reason on the list, couldn't we? I mean, if we just had number one, wouldn't that be enough? God commands it. I mean, that's enough. God said to do it. We should do it, period. But there's more, and there's more because God is awesome, and he loves us, and he gives us even more motivation than just pray because I command it for my glory, and you're good. Here's the second reason I wrote down. You and I should always pray because we're helpless. We are helpless. Isn't this the point of what Jesus said in John 15, 5? Didn't he say, I am the vine and you are the branches? He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do... Yeah, I, I think if we had a, a test in Sunday school this morning and it was multiple choice or even fill in the blank, I think we could crush that, right? Apart from me, you can do ding, 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 I got it, nothing, got it. I don't know about you, when I look at my life, I don't really believe that verse. I know it's true, I know what it says, I don't disagree with it, I just don't live as if it's actually true. And the reason that I know that is because I find that the most often times in my life when I'm praying are when I feel helpless, when I feel out of control, when I feel like I don't have the ability or the resources or the ability to get it done. I'll just run right to prayer, God, I need you. But if I really believe John 15, 5, is there a situation that I'm facing where I don't need the Lord? There's, there's not one. I need the Lord for all of that. And to grow in my walk with the Lord would be like, all right, every single moment, Lord, I need you. I can't do any of this without you. Our challenge is not that we don't believe that. Our challenge is, is that we don't practice it. Here's the third reason to pray. This is one of my favorites. Did you know that God loves it? Did you know that God loves it when you pray? And I think what happens for a lot of us is... Um, either for the good or the bad, mostly the bad, what happens is, is we take the experience that we had with our earthly fathers and then either consciously or subconsciously, we start attributing those things to God. And so like if, if our father was short and disconnected and angry and not like God in any way, we can tend to think in our relationship with God that sometimes he's like that. So when we bring our request to him and when we go to pray with him, like, we, we think that he's like our dads, right? Like, you again? This again? I've already answered this. You've already prayed about it. We've already talked about this. How many times are we gonna... I, I don't know how your dad was, but those would be common things that were heard in my house growing up. And sometimes in the battle of my relationship with God, I can fall into the trap of just thinking that, well, God is like that. And I wonder in your mind, when you think about when you are praying to God, do you ever consider how God is receiving your prayers? Does that thought ever cross your mind that you're ever thinking about what God is doing on the other end of that conversation? Well, here, let me give you some scripture. You don't even have to wonder about this. This is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8. It says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his, what? It's his delight. When you pray, it brings God joy. When you pray, it brings God delight. When you pray, God is like, yes. 
Yes, this is awesome. I love this. More of this. That's how you should be thinking in your mind about God when you come in prayer to him. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants to have prayer. He's not upset that you're coming. He wants more of it, just like any good parent wants from their children. That word delight in verse 8 there means what is pleasing to someone. That when you pray, it is pleasing to the Lord. It brings the Lord joy. You should pray because God loves it. It brings the Lord joy. Here's something you can do to bring the Lord joy. That's awesome. Here, here's the fourth reason. Do you know that some things are only possible by prayer? Do you know that some things aren't going to happen unless you pray? In Mark chapter 9, Jesus has cast a demon out of a man. He's uh, been ministering with the boys, and the boys are like, this is amazing to us because we tried to do it. We couldn't do it. It couldn't get accomplished with us. Why couldn't it happen? We tried, and we couldn't do it. In Mark chapter 9, verse 29, Jesus said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but... Jesus said there are some things, even if on your list there's only just one thing, but there's some things, at least one, that cannot happen except by prayer. And the question that I would ask you is, what are the things that God wants to do in your life but aren't happening because you're not praying? James chapter 4 verse 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. What things are not happening in your life simply because you're not praying? But, but I hear you, my Reformed friends. I don't believe that. God is sovereign. God does what he wants when he wants, whether I pray or not, because God is sovereign. And I would just say in response to that, amen. God is absolutely 100% sovereign. Our God is in the heavens. He does what he pleases, and he doesn't need your permission to do it. He doesn't need you to grant him access. He doesn't even need you to be awake. It's kind of what it means to be God. And God does what he wants the way that he wants when he wants to do it. God is sovereign. But I want to suggest to you that you're not taking the sovereignty of God far enough because in his sovereignty, God has purpose to use the prayers of his people to accomplish his goals. That's how sovereign he is. He has said, I'm going to accomplish my goals and I'm going to use your prayers to do it. And I want you to pray and we're going to work together. You say, how does that happen? And here, I wrote this down. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not God. I just know what he said. And what he has said is, is that he is sovereign and we should pray about everything. And that's the fifth reason that I wrote down, that God uses prayers. We should pray because God uses prayers. They matter. He uses prayers to accomplish his purposes. And think about this. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our example. He's the one we're following. God is conforming us into his image according to Romans chapter 8. The, the goal of sanctification is to make you like Jesus Christ. Did he believe in the sovereignty of God? Yes or no? Did he believe in it better than you? Did he know it better than you? Did that belief in the sovereignty of God keep him from praying? If your belief in the sovereignty of God keeps you from praying, you're not thinking about this biblically. Because as I read the New Testament, it seems to me that a perfect understanding of the sovereignty of God causes Jesus to give up sleep so that he can pray more to get away from everything that's going on so that he can pray more. A good understanding, a biblical understanding of the sovereignty of God fuels prayer. 
It doesn't squash it. And God uses prayers to accomplish his purposes. One of the things I'm doing as I'm reading through the Bible again this year is I'm just underlining in green every single time God answers a prayer and uses those prayers to accomplish his purposes. And it's surprising to me how many times from one end of this book to the other, God is moving in response to the prayers of his people. And I don't mean like loose connections like, oh, somebody must have prayed about that. I mean like direct connections like Hezekiah prayed and the Lord answered his prayer by. That's what the text says. And just over and over and over from one end of the book to the other, challenges to pray because God wants to use our prayers to accomplish his purposes. And then he gives us all of these illustrations and say, I've been doing it for thousands of years with all of my people. I'm going to do it with you as well. So pray, pray. So we should pray. When? Always. About what? Everything. Always pray about everything. Secondly, you and I, according to Ephesians 6.18, should always pray in the Spirit. I see this as the next phrase, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. That phrase, in the Spirit, means literally in the sphere of the Spirit or to be directed and empowered by the Spirit. I know there's been a lot of confusion in the church in the past hundred years, and only the past hundred years, about what it means to pray in the Spirit. And there are those who love the Lord and who are adopted into the family, blood-bought sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, who have grown up in a tradition that has taught them to pray in the Spirit means that you pray in some ecstatic utterance that you didn't learn, that's some heavenly language, and they would use this passage to teach that. The only problem with that is the passage doesn't teach that. And that's not what the passage is talking about. The New Testament doesn't teach that. That's another sermon for another time. I Maybe I'll hear from Pastor Greg and the elders on that part. But I believe that what this text is saying is what Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 is saying. It says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for the words. Notice the Spirit has the groanings, not you. Verse 27, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is so awesome. I don't know if you were thinking about what you just read. I mean, you understand that God is praying for you, right? Just think that through for a moment. Not only are we supposed to pray, but, but God the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is actively engaged in prayer for you, Christian. <laughs> mind-boggling, isn't it? Why? Because God has purpose to use the prayers of his people and even his own prayers to accomplish his purposes in your life and in my life. And this is why it's so powerful to pray scripture, because scripture is completely consistent with the will of God for our lives. Sometimes we just get nervous about, am I praying the right thing? I don't want to pray against something that's not God's will. And so then, like, I just throw this catchphrase at the end of my prayer, right? I, I spend a good bit of time praying with the Lord and conversing with the Lord and relationship with the Lord. But then what if I ask for stuff he didn't want? I could just make it all better at the end by saying, uh, but whatever you want, God. 
right? And maybe we don't use those words, but that's where our heart is with all of that. And I'm encouraged by the prayer of Jesus Christ in the garden, crying out to the Lord and saying to him, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And the text goes out of its way to say that he prayed that three times. Is Jesus Christ God? Oh, you gotta do better than that, church. Is Jesus Christ God? Okay, does he know God's will perfectly? Okay, is he praying against God's will? Is there another way but for the cup? Now what's happening? He's leaving an example for us to follow in his footsteps that we can take our fears and our concerns and even our desires to the Lord and trust him with the outcome of every single thing. And if you're so concerned about whether or not you're praying in the will of God, just pray Scripture. It fixes what we talked about with James in chapter 4, verse 2, when he said, you have not because you ask not. In verse 3, he said, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motive so that you may spend it on your pleasure. See, praying in the Spirit is the answer to praying with wrong motives, and it keeps our prayers in harmony with the will of the Father. Anytime that I'm praying God's Word back to God, I know that I'm 100% praying the will of God. This is what God wants. This is what God desires. This is what God says, and He loves to answer the prayers that are consistent with his word. The biblical formula is this. We pray to the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit. That's what that looks like. We pray to the Father. We have access through the Son. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us. And we pray here in the power of the Spirit. Only by the Spirit's power can we pray in the will of God and avoid fleshly, impotent prayers. Always pray about everything. Always pray in the Spirit. Thirdly, in Ephesians 6.18, always persevere in your prayers. Always persevere in your prayers. I don't know how you would describe your prayer life. When I asked my body of believers that I get to fellowship with this same question, it was interesting to hear the responses. And it was responses like inconsistent, lacking, not enough, weak, non-existent. No, nobody said persevering. I'm persevering in prayer. I'm pressing on in prayer. I see this in verse 18, and verse 18 is teaching us don't quit, don't give up. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times, and with this in view, be on the alert with all what? That's right there, with all perseverance. You have to persevere in your prayer. You can't quit. You can't give up. Now, what was super interesting to me is when I was studying this passage, I assumed that that word perseverance there was going to be the same perseverance or endurance that is in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. You guys know that passage? In James 1, 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance or perseverance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And what that Greek word over there, hupomeneo, means is like pressure comes into your life, and it's bearing down on you, and you have to remain under the pressure. And we like to play spiritual dodgeball and get out from underneath all of the hard things that are happening in our life, and we think that a good Christian life is a comfortable life, which is, I guess, the next message that I'll preach here, because that ain't true. Comfort is the enemy of holiness. 
And I would just suggest that to you, but that's a whole sermon in one phrase right there. But we, we, when pressure comes, we like to get out from underneath it. And James says, well, don't do that because God's using that pressure to grow you and to make you like Christ. And there's joy in doing that. There's joy in remaining under the pressure. So when I just initially read Ephesians 6, 18, I was like, oh, perseverance. I'll bet that's the same Greek word. And I was wrong. It's not the same word, even though it's the same English word. And this word perseverance is related, but it means this, to continue to do something with intense effort despite difficulty. That's the definition. To continue to do something with intense effort despite difficulty. That's what you're being commanded to do. Is, is that how you pray? Does that describe your prayer life? Listen, prayer is hard. Prayer is hard. And I don't mean it's hard because we don't have access. And I don't mean it's hard because we can't come to the Father at any time in any place through his son Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit. I don't mean it's hard that way. I, I mean it's hard to persevere in it. It's hard to continue. And I don't know how it is for you, Christian, but in my Christian walk, the spiritual discipline that seems to be the hardest for me to press on in is prayer. And lots of other Christians that I talk to would say the exact same thing. But you have to press on in prayer. You need to think of prayer like a muscle. And it can be strengthened, and it can grow, and it can become stronger, but it can also become atrophied and weak and impotent in your life. Think of it like a muscle. I've got a friend named Corey who, um, I can't figure it out, but he, for some reason, he just ran a 50K. K. I translated that into American for you because I was like, you might as well say a million K. What does that mean to me? It's like over 30 miles. Whoa. He did it all at one time. And I keep trying to remind him that the Proverbs say that that the wicked flee when no one is pursuing. (laughs) And yet he still continues to run with no one chasing him. And, And he ran over 30 miles pretty impressive, isn't it? But, but here's what I know about Corey. He didn't get up that morning and decide that he was going to run 50K. He didn't get up a month before that and decide he was going to run 50K. And he trained for that for a long time. And it took years before he could get to the place where he could do that. And it took intense effort despite difficulty. And then he just ran a 50K. And if you understand what it might be involved to do that, that way you understand what we're talking about with prayer. It's intense effort in the face of difficulty. You're going to have to give up some sleep. You're going to have to give up some other things that detract your heart and your mind from the Lord so that you can be with the Lord. And don't miss this. The goal of prayer is not to get things from God. The goal of prayer is to get God to have relationship with him, to talk with him. You hear from God through his word. He hears from you through prayer. That's the relationship. And if you're not talking to God and he's not talking to you, there's not much of a relationship there. And I can pretend that I have a relationship with Michael Jordan all that I want. But we don't ever talk. And it doesn't matter how many facts I know about him and how many pairs of his shoes I have and How many posters in my office of his jersey there are? One, by the way. It's just down the hall over here. We don't have a relationship because we don't communicate. Communication is the currency of relationship. 
And if you're not communicating to the Lord through prayer and hearing from him through his word, you don't have much of a relationship going on with him. And don't wonder why your Christian life feels so joyless and so empty and God seems so distant. But he doesn't want it that way. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. And he wants you to live in this relationship, but you're going to have to persevere. And I would just encourage you in your time with the Lord this week, I want you to read Luke chapter 18 and read Luke chapter 11 and read Jesus give these um, responses about how God moves powerfully in response to the person who perseveres in prayer. All right, here's our last and final point this morning. I see in verse 18, it's this. Always pray for the saints. Always pray about everything. Always pray in the Spirit. Always persevere in your prayers. But listen, how many people have followed Christ long enough to know that what God is doing in me and through me isn't just for me? Anybody know that? Right? Isn't it for other people as well? And what God has entrusted to us, you guys get this, what God has entrusted to you as a church, you've been open-handed with, and you're even helping other churches do the same thing. Open-handed with it. And what God is doing in your life through prayer, he wants to go through you into the lives of other people around you. That's why you have to always pray for the saints. Look at verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert. With all perseverance and petition, for all the saints. Pray for all the saints. See, we're not just praying for ourselves. You have to have scheduled time of prayer where you're praying for other people, specifically the saints of God. Your prayer times must include prayers for other Christians. Not in every prayer, but all the time. Should be a common occurrence for you. Not every now and then. Not when you get here on Wednesday night. Not when you're in your city groups only. But throughout the week, praying for God to move in the lives of the people that you call your family and that God calls your brothers and sisters. It should be your consistent practice, not your occasional action. We are never going to be the people that God wants us to be apart from the consistent, persistent spiritual prayers of the saints. You say, I don't believe that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Let's go further. God has purpose to use the prayers of his saints to accomplish his goals, and that includes in your life. And God wants to use my prayers in your life, and God wants to use your prayers in my life to accomplish his purposes. I mean, the prophet Samuel recognized that to not pray for the saints of God was sin. He said this in 1 Samuel 12, 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Isn't that interesting? That it's a sin against the Lord to not pray for the other saints. Samuel recognized that. Church, we need more. And my prayer for Grace on the Ashley is the same as it's been for Vertical Church Charleston. It's this, that you would be a church that prays more all the time, everywhere, in these halls, in this room, in your cars, that you would just be done with the phrase of, I'm going to pray for you. And you would replace it with, can we pray right now? Can I pray for you right now? Be done with the good intentions and get to the good practice of always praying about everything, everywhere, right now. More prayer, specifically and generally, at all occasions, in the Spirit, and praying for all the saints. Well, let's practice what we've just learned, amen? Why don't you go ahead and close your Bibles, and why don't we just spend a moment in prayer to the Lord? God loves it when you pray. And he wants to hear from you right now. 
So our worship leaders are going to come back. You're going to bow your heads, and you're just going to pray. I'm just going to give you some silence right now for you and the Lord to have some time together. So why don't you pray? So, Father, we would come this morning and confess the joy of being in this place with your people, worshiping your Son in the power of your Spirit. What a privilege we get to enjoy, God, that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light so that we might proclaim your excellencies. God, we are a fickle people who are easily distracted by the things of the world and by our own flesh and often forget the joy of communing with you and talking to you in prayer and having you talk to us in your word. And so, God, we ask for your help in that. We want to grow to be people who pray at all times about everything. And that we would see prayer as a delight for us and a joy for you. And that prayer would not be a task to be accomplished, but it would be a moment to be enjoyed with you, Father. So change our hearts and our minds about this, God. Grant us repentance. God, thank you for being so sovereign and so good that you want to use our prayers to accomplish your purposes. You could do it any way. You are the sovereign God of the universe. You are Yahweh. And so thank you that in your kindness and in your mercy, you invite us in and you desire to not only commune with us and have relationship with us, but in our service to you that you would have us partner with you in seeking and saving the lost and glorifying your name. And God, again, I offer to you my thanks for the saints at Grace on the Ashley and for their extravagant love of you that we get to be beneficiaries of. And I pray that you would bless them, and I pray that you would increase their influence for your kingdom, and I pray that you would grow the fame of Jesus Christ in and through this place so that men and women and boys and girls all over Charleston and the world come to know your son, Jesus Christ, because of the saints at Grace on the Ashley who love you. So now, God, as we finish our time together, we want to do so in the celebration of your son. And we would confess that we are helpless to even do that apart from your spirit and your power. And so, Lord, would you empower us by your spirit to lift high the name of Jesus in worship, that we would be the kind of worshipers that you seek, those who worship in spirit and in truth. We thank you for being such a good God. So, God, would you grow our love and appreciation of you? We pray this in Jesus' name.